0: The next year, I was Louis Hayward in the film The Man in the Iron Mask, fighting, swaggering, swashbuckling, and finally escaping torture at the hands of my evil twin brother. The following year, I became Charlie Chaplin. I remember having a temper tantrum when I wasn't allowed to sit through the great dictator for the third time, throwing myself on the floor of the movie theater, screaming bloody murder, and creating an embarrassing scene until my babysitter relented and sat back down, a hostage to my obsession. For months, I tried to walk like Chaplin. I spent hours in front of a mirror, pursing my mouth to the side, trying desperately to smile with that horizontal crease he had in his upper lip. I put on roller skates and swooped precariously on the edge of things. I performed endless imitations of Hitler through the filter of Chaplin's genius. Then the following year, I became Danny Kaye. "'Spending hour after hour in front of a mirror, "'trying in vain to make my eyes turn down at the corners. "'I threw water on my hair to try and make it shake like his. "'I tried scat as fast as he could. "'Away from the mirror, I imitated anyone and everyone. "'Outside in the street, if I'd see someone with an interesting walk, "'in half an hour, I'd make it my own. "'Any exotic behavior was fair game. "'A limp, an accent, a nervous tick, "'anything to turn myself into someone other than me.' One day I was playing in the backyard with my cousins, and my aunt overheard me say, "'Let's play circus. I'll be everything.' I grew up in Brooklyn, and every Saturday afternoon for years I dragged my reluctant mother to acting classes at the Academy of Music, making her sit in dark, empty hallways while I studied whatever children worked on in those days. I was incorrigible." By age seven or eight, I was completely obsessed with performing. Theater, movies, music, I was obsessed by all of them. At school, my main activity was staring out the window and daydreaming about being other people in other times, other places. How I got through even grammar school remains a mystery. I have two important memories from those early years. Both were small events, really, and neither of them took place in school, but both changed how I thought about theater and acting. The first occurred when I went to a film with my father. I was around 8 years old, but he took me to a movie for grown-ups in black and white with a lot of adult talk and not much action. In one scene, a couple of actors were in a living room engaged in an intimate, intense dialogue about something or other, and I watched for a while, trying hard to keep up with their situation, which was too sophisticated for me. It was rare that anything on a movie screen ever bored me, but this was starting to do the trick. So, to keep myself entertained, I pretended I was there with him watching the scene from inside a closet. Where the impulse came from, I don't know, but I held a hand up to my face and made a small opening in my fist so I could watch everything through the keyhole of an imaginary door. All of a sudden, the acting, which had seemed real enough a moment ago, looked false, and the scene turned stale and lifeless. I was amazed. It was as though a veil had been lifted from my eyes. In an instant, the actors were no longer cinema gods with huge heads, the idols that I had been imitating for years. They'd lost their sense of authority and importance. In fact, at this moment, they no longer existed in any reality at all. The scene had instantly turned false, and I had the distinct feeling that the performances of the two people in the scene were no longer directed at each other but towards some anonymous audience. But who is their audience, I wondered. There's no one in the room with them. They don't know I'm here in the closet. They don't know anyone is watching. Who are they focusing on? Not me, not any other living soul. I remembered feeling that it would have been more appropriate for them to be focusing on each other, which is what people did in real life when no one was watching. But they weren't doing that. They were talking to no one and for no purpose. This strange moment for me was simultaneously disillusioning and enlightening. It had come from a simple childhood trick, but it completely changed my view of acting and for the first time gave me a perspective and a value system by which to gauge a performance. It was also the beginning of a kind of method for me, and its validity sustained me for about a decade, at least while watching other people's work. Gauging the truth of my own work was something that had to come later. The second experience happened in the living room of our apartment. I was playing on the floor while my mother was consoling a friend who was in the middle of some kind of personal crisis. My mother listened patiently while the woman sat there crying her eyes out. I was halfway across the room, not pretending to read a book, but of course I was much more engrossed in the drama being played out in front of me.